Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome to Simply Holy, the podcast for people who want to live a joyful life in Christ. I'm Marge Steinhag Fenlon, and I have a question for you. Have you reached a stalemate in your prayer life? Do you feel like your prayers have become less productive? Do you feel as though you're at a roadblock? You've taken prayer as far as you can, you are doing it as best you can, and yet you don't feel any, any real growth. You don't feel any progress there in your prayer life. Well, you are not alone. Most of us go through that, if not often, at least occasionally. We get to a point where we've been working as hard as we can on our prayer life, trying to pray well and as often as as we should, and and yet it's just not there. You know, it's it's just it's kind of empty. It it just it it becomes rote and maybe even confusing at times. Why am I praying? How do I pray? Am I praying right? What's going on here? Why do I not hear God speaking to me? Why is God not answering my prayers? He's not answering. I'm praying, but he's not answering. Well, There are many reasons you could be in this spot, but one of the primary reasons, and I want to cover that because there are various aspects of this one reason. Can you guess what it might be? It is assumption. That's right, assumption. We often get stuck in our prayer life by our assumptions. What we assume about various things. So first of all, what sticks us, so to speak, in our tracks, in our prayer life, is is assumptions about God, our assumptions about God. So some of us feel, we assume, we assume that, that God is so far away that he has little interest in our lives. Or he 
doesn't really want to speak with us. He doesn't relate to us. You know, he is so far up there. He's God. He's got better things to do than listen to my prayers. He has a whole world to govern. What, is, what does he care about my little me, my little prayers? And, and I just, I can't relate to him because, you know, he's God. He's so powerful and he's, he's so mighty and I'm told I should fear him. And all of those things that were taught from little on, if you've been, uh, if you're a cradle Catholic, and if not, you know, it, when you are, when you entered the church, it's all of those things. He's so mighty. He's so great. He's so big. He has so many greater concerns than mine. So, so he's far away. He's so far away that he doesn't really pay attention to little me. He doesn't pay attention to my prayers. Also, in relation to our assumptions about God, we assume, we assume that God doesn't really want to communicate with us. It kind of goes along the same lines as he's so great, he's so busy, and and he's not interested in communicating with me. Or perhaps we have a feeling that, well, he is so mighty and, and so divine that he isn't interested in trying to communicate with me. He, if, if he is communicating with me, I don't understand. And he doesn't communicate with me in a way that I would understand because he's God and I'm not. I'm just a human being. That's not correct either because God is constantly, first of all, he, he is constantly communicating with us through the people in our lives, the happening in our lives, things that go well, things that don't go well, and in our hearts. You know, if we just stop, if we silence ourselves, we would hear or at least feel God communicating to us within our hearts. So the next, the next type of assumption that we have about God is that we think we know what God should do or who he should be. We think we know what he should do or he should be. You know, we define God according to our own, our own standards and our own human understanding. Well, no human being can fully understand God. And God cannot be fully defined because he is so immensely magnificent. We can, we can you know, by, by reading the, the church fathers, by studying scripture through our own prayer, we can learn some things about God, but we can never learn all things about God. And so this assumption is that you know, well, God's like this. This is what God's like. He is this judgmental being who watches everything I do, and then at some point he's going to levy judgment. Or God is this powerful being who dictates everything in my life and denies me of things I really want because he thinks that's a good idea. 
or even, you know, we think that because of punishment or on and on. There's so many different reasons. So we're trying to, we're assuming that we know exactly what God is like and and how he does and and should be acting. You know, we think that, well, okay, what I know about God is is such and such. And so because because I've heard he is he is an all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, then then he should do XYZ in my life. He should act like this and this and this. Well, that isn't right. There isn't, you know, here's the thing. God should not do anything. We can't, we can't say God should or should not do something because, because he's God, because he knows all things. We don't, we don't know everything God knows. And, and so to have this assumption that this is how God should act, or this is what God should be like, it's, it's not, Right, because we're we probably we're probably so far off the mark that we're not even close. And and so we get led astray by these assumptions. You know, if we're going to pray to God, if we're going to pray to God, we have to learn who He really is. He already knows who you are. You have to learn who He is. What is he really like? And the only way you can start to learn that is with relationship, developing a deep relationship with him, spending time with him. Relationship is about spending time with the other. And you can only do that when you keep at your prayer. Even if you feel like you're at a stalemate, even if you you feel like you've reached a complete roadblock, even if your prayer runs completely dry. Don't stop. Continue to spend time with God because at some point, at some point that will open up again and your heart will warm up and you will, you will find yourself communicating with God and understanding what, at least some of what he's trying to tell you. So especially, I think, this idea of of thinking that we know how God should act. In that aspect of suffering, I think we tend to do that a lot. You know, we think we think that because suffering is hard, because it's nasty, because it doesn't make doesn't make me happy, well then God shouldn't allow it. You know, because we think that that because the suffering in the world makes people miserable and looks like a horrible, evil thing. Maybe it is a horrible, evil thing. We think that God should not allow it. He just should not allow it. And we're putting, again, we're, we're putting these limits on God that we don't have any right to put on him. Because even the worst suffering, even the ugliest suffering, even the greatest hardship, even the greatest, most miserable situation, God has the right to allow that. He has the right, 
And, you know, I'd like to say obligation, but I mean this in a, in a different way. And, and I hope you can follow what I'm, I'm going to say here. He's obliged to follow his own will. In other words, he can't make up his will according to our wishes and whims. Now, he does listen to our prayers, but ultimately, he will always give us what's best for us. Even the nasty evils in the world, he will turn to good in some way. Maybe not in our lifetime. Who knows? Who knows? But we we absolutely need to be certain that he knows what he's doing. And what he's doing is perfect according to his plan. I know that's really hard, but that's one of those assumptions. You know, suffering is bad, so God shouldn't allow it. Well, the the fact of the matter, my friend, is, is that God is allowing it for a very good reason. And so another assumption by God is that we, we anthropologize, I'm not going to use the the anthropomorphize God. <laughs> I'm tripping on that word. But in other words, we we presume, we assume that God is like us. So we're human. We're in human form. Okay. So we try to make him human as well. You know, we understand that Jesus took on human form. So he was fully man and fully God. But that is just the nature that Jesus assumed for our sake so that he could suffer here on earth in a way that we would understand. But God isn't human. We, we, we think, we, we expect God, we assume that he's going to act based on how we think Human beings should act. Well, that just doesn't fly because God's not human. He's not human and he's not going to act like a human. So we want to put this human persona on God, whether it's, and, I, and I've spoken about this before, but, but in particular, in terms of when we think of God the Father, depending upon our earthly father, whether he was an absolutely great dad did all of these wonderful things for us, very benevolent, very loving, and, and a, you know, a, a, a man's man kind of, you know, and we, we think that that's what we want. We picture God like that. We, we try to put God in that human form. Or if we had a dad who was overbearing and cruel, and it does happen, sadly, sometimes, then we expect that, that God, we picture God as being overbearing and cruel. If we have, if, say, for example, in my case where I was the youngest by far of my siblings, so when I came along, my dad was a little older, and I know there's a lot of families like this, and I'm not picking on, on older dads, okay? I'll just I'll use the example from my own life. In, in, by the time I came around, and by the time I got old enough to be aware of the need to do things with my dad and so on and so forth, he he had started slowing down already. He also had some some health problems, some serious heart issues. So so he was slowing down not just because of age, but because of physical necessity, and and so he had more of a 
grandfatherly approach to parenting me. Now, because of that, for many years, I had the tendency to see God the Father as, as this, you know, he cares, God cares about me. I know he cares about me. I know he loves me. And I know he is always there for me, but, but he's not going to do much for me. He's, he just, he can't do much for me. You know, I, I saw him as a very, I saw God as very passive, a very passive God. Because my dad tended to be a little more passive in, in his, his parenting of me. So think about that. Think about your own dad and then think if that's where you're getting your assumptions about what God should be like and who he should be for you. But the reality is he is a just and loving and very active father. So pray about that. Take that into prayer and and think about that. All right, the next thing, the next assumption that stalemates our prayer life is our assumptions about ourselves. Yikes. That that requires some, some digging deep. Assumptions that we have about ourselves. So we too often, way too often, and I know I'm the first to line up, I definitely have this tendency, is that we think we have to be in charge of our lives. I'm in charge. I have to be in charge. I have to make things happen. I have to do this. I have to do that. Well, this and this has happened, so I have to react. I have to straighten this mess out. Emphasis on I all the time. Are you like that? Does that happen to you? Do you, do you often find yourself thinking, well, I have to be in charge. I just have to be in charge. And, and a, a corollary to that assumption is that we actually believe, we assume that we're, at, we're, we're capable, that we're actually capable of being in charge of our lives. Well, this is a mistaken notion. We are not capable of being completely in charge of our lives. We are not even capable of being self-sufficient. We're not completely self-sufficient because we need God. Without God, we couldn't blink an eye or take a breath. We need God for everything. So, no, we are not, not capable of being in charge of our lives, nor should we. We should not even try to be in charge of our lives because God is in charge of our lives. God is in charge of our lives. And so we see, we see prayer as this kind of getting God to agree with us. It's, you know, that, that telling God what we're going to do and expecting him to follow, follow along. That's, that's an assumption, and it is a very wrong assumption, obviously. Obviously. Because what's happening, happening here is that we're letting our pride and stubbornness and this false sense of self-sufficiency get in our way of our relationship with God. So that's an assumption that I can and should take charge. Now, the other thing is, and this can go either way, 
to one extreme or another. But we have false assumptions about our own sinfulness. So on the one side, we, we deny it or downplay our, our sinfulness. Or the other side of that are those folks who always want to beat up on themselves. They're always beating up on themselves. They're always telling themselves how rotten they are. They're so sinful. How could God love me? There's, you know, this and this sin, and he could never forgive that. That's an assumption, and that's a very, very wrong assumption, my friend. Because the the truth is that, sure, even if we are sinful, even if we're very, very sinful, it's not up to us to pass judgment. It's up to God to pass judgment. He loves us, and our sinfulness hurts him. It hurts us. It hurts our chances towards salvation. But he gives us abundant opportunity for mercy. And he absolutely, if we ask for mercy, we will receive it. We have the sacrament of reconciliation. Reconciliation. That is repairing the relationship with God. We're reconciling with God. And we receive forgiveness, mercy, absolution. And then we can go and try again, get up, try again to avoid sin in, in the future. So it's not up to us to assume that we're so sinful that God won't forgive us. And if we're denying our sins, which I think we often like to do, oh, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad. Oh, I don't want to think about that. Oh, I don't want to think about my terrible past. Well, that's going to get us into a great hill of trouble because then we will never reach that stage of repentance that we need to receive God's mercy and forgiveness. So either way, these assumptions about our own behavior, our own sinfulness, either way, we have to find the middle ground and realize, yes, we sin sometimes, but then we can also ask for God's mercy. And on the other hand, we do some very good things sometimes, and we do lots of things that prove our love for God. So we need to balance it. We need to have a balanced view of ourselves. And then finally, the last thing is, is the, the assumptions that we have about prayer itself. And, and it, you know, we base it, we base it on our human relationships. And it is similar. Our prayer is very, very similar to our human relationships because we can't build a relationship with God unless, unless we develop some key points. Trust, time, openness, giving of self, receiving the other into our hearts, listening, sharing, and selflessness. Now that's, those are, those are ingredients, so to speak, that go into a really excellent human friendship, but they also apply to our relationship with God. 
We need to learn to trust him. We need to pray for, pray for the grace of trusting him. We need to spend time with God. If you don't spend time with someone, you will hardly know that person and hardly know how to relate to that person. Well, that's true of God too. If you don't spend time with him, you'll hardly know him. You'll hardly know how to relate to him. And we need to be open. If we're hiding things from God, if we're going into prayer and we're, we're hiding things from God, well, guess what? You can't really hide anything from God because he knows everything. But if we persist in trying to hide things from God, that harms that relationship. It screws up our whole prayer life. Because if, if it's only about putting on a show for God, then that's not real prayer. And that's definitely not real relationship. We need to go in there. We need to enter our prayer time and really surrender ourselves to God completely. Everything. Everything. Open up, surrender, give him our heart, and receive his heart, figuratively speaking. Receive his love. Receive his grace. Listen to what he has to say to us within our hearts, within the quiet of our hearts, and spill the beans. So share with him. Tell him everything that's on your mind. Everything that comes to your mind. Even it's, if it's something ugly, as long as you're doing this reverently, share that with him. Because by sharing it with him, you open up yourself to God. And you open up that conversation with God. If you just sit there and go, well, God, you know everything I'm thinking and feeling, and so you make the sign of the cross and leave, that is absolutely not fruitful, and you will not develop a good relationship with God. You will be right at that roadblock for a good long time if that's what you do when you enter into prayer. We too often go into our prayer time by just talking to God, you know, maybe we just rattle off some rote prayers and don't really speak what's on our hearts to fully, fully open our hearts to him, reveal everything that's in our hearts. It's, it's, there's a point to that, that we, we, we just, even though God knows everything that's in your heart, you need to tell him because this will deepen your relationship with him. Hearing yourself say it helps you realize where you're really at and primes you, your mind and your heart, for receiving the message that God has for you. So those are the assumptions. Those are the assumptions about prayer that we need to be very wary of and aware of and work against. So those assumptions that we have about God, the assumptions we have about ourselves, and then the assumptions we have about prayer itself. Time, my friend, as you stand at that roadblock, time to reevaluate the assumptions that you have about God, about yourself, and about prayer. I think that you will discover an awful lot. I think you'll probably be surprised at some of the things you're discovering. Maybe you'll be a little embarrassed. But I hope overall you're going to be invigorated 
because, because by looking at these assumptions, by discovering these assumptions, what you are doing is you are clearing the way to move that roadblock aside and take off on your prayer life. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I love our times together. Let me please encourage you to subscribe to my channel and please like and share this video, this podcast with others so that they also can benefit and learn about the assumptions they may have about prayer. And then please check out my website, margefenelin.com. Margefenelin.com. There you'll find my other Simply Holy podcast. You'll find my videos, my blog, my books, my, my gifts, my Catholic gifts to enrich your spiritual life. And, and best of all, you can sign up for 40 days, 40 verses, daily Lenten reflections that will start your day out right, give you some, some food for thought, and then encourage you, give you some an action item or so to really encourage you to live your Lent well. It's never too late to sign up. Sign up now, margefenland.com. And until soon, my friend, please, please spend time in prayer and take a look at those assumptions that you have that are blocking your prayer life. God bless you, and may our Mother Mary comfort, protect, and guide you.